Hi, welcome back to The Canadian Farmer, a podcast for pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, pharmacy students, and healthcare professionals in the North. This podcast reflects my personal opinions, views, and interpretation of information, and was prepared in my personal capacity. This podcast does not represent any institution, corporation, association, or society, just me. The last time we got together, our focus was on diabetes and getting comfortable with some of the Canadian recommendations. We'll definitely expand on this topic another day, but we're going to do something completely different. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite aspects of pharmacy, prescribing. Here are some questions to consider to get your wheels spinning. Do you consider yourself a prescriber? What about a primary health care provider? How many prescriptions have you written in the past seven days? Hmm. Pharmacist prescribing is a hot topic. The public is most certainly in need of more primary health care providers, but at the same time, is this something a pharmacist should be doing if they aren't comfortable? Well, the answer depends on who you ask. On one hand, it's the responsibility of the professional to remain relevant and knowledgeable, but on the other, it feels unfair to put someone on the spot when they don't feel competent. Do you know what I think? I think we just need some support to get there. And friends, we are going to get somewhere today. So if you're lacking confidence in your prescribing skills, or you just want to compare notes, you came to the right place. And I'm so glad you're here. Since I live in Nova Scotia, I'll focus our talk on the standards here. If you do not live in Nova Scotia, you should confirm your own province's regulations. Unfortunately, the scope of pharmacists varies between provinces, and maybe someday our professional regulations will be more uniform. If you'd like me to discuss prescribing regulations specific to where you are licensed, just let me know. In Nova Scotia, pharmacists have the privilege of prescribing in various capacities, like in emergencies, adapting existing prescriptions, and for many minor ailments. We can't cover it all in one podcast. That's why we're going to take it nice and slow and begin today with mastering the therapeutic sub. If you want more detail on what I'm about to cover, you can access all of this information and more on the Nova Scotia College of Pharmacists website. If you've never read the standards of practice prescribing drugs, I highly recommend it. These standards explain everything we need to have in place before we tear the script from the pad. I'll highlight the main points for you regarding therapeutic substitutions, but you can also refer to the NSCP website for more detailed information on all types of pharmacist prescribing. All right, let's jump in. First of all, we must prescribe medications for their approved indications, unless there's a unique circumstance. For example, prescribing a renewal for medication being used in a medical study for which a new indication is being investigated. So this means, if you have a hunch that Vagifem might cure gout, you need to keep that to yourself. Don't replace Johnny's Indomethacin with Vagifem. For all of the pharmacists I've ever known, this wouldn't be an issue. We tend to be a tight-laced crowd. Okay, next, no prescribing controlled substances, no veterinary prescribing, and you must always inform the patient that they have the option to fill your prescription elsewhere. No obligations are implied. Make sure you get consent. The patient should be involved, completely understand, and support the decision to change that original prescription. Next, you start your assessment and document anything pertinent to your decision. This should be done in a private room. If the diagnosis requires a physical exam, it should be done in person. But if not, you can do your assessment on the phone. My documentation varies depending on the case. For example, 
I would spend more time and record a lot more if substituting Celebrex for naproxen because of a history of GI bleed versus substituting Lansoprazole for Rebeprazole because of a formulary restriction. Basically, your documentation should be elaborate enough for another healthcare provider to come along and understand what you've done, your rationale, and how you intend to follow up and monitor. We'll talk about follow up in a few minutes. To start your assessment, you should first collect basic information. The patient name, date of birth, contact information, health card number, weight, height, allergies, and medical conditions. Sometimes this is as easy as a screenshot of their patient card. Your clinical assessment note should include indication for prescribing, symptoms, previous treatments, what worked and what didn't work in the past, and the outcomes. The diagnosis they've been given, patient's concerns regarding cost and access to care, maybe lab values, barriers to care like no family doctor or access to a clinic, and definitely the implications of not prescribing. For example, the possibility of discontinuation syndrome if an antidepressant is not tapered, elevated blood pressure and subsequent increase in cardiovascular disease with disruption of antihypertensive, serotonin syndrome with combination of serotonergic agents. The assessment should contain all of the information you considered in making your decision so that in hindsight, another provider can understand your reasoning. The more detail you record, the better. Do not rely on memory or dismiss the importance of this step even if at the time you feel the answer is obvious. Once you've decided what to do, you're ready to write a prescription. This part will come easy. We all know the difference between a complete prescription and a napkin with the word enema written on it. But just for completeness, I'll go through the list. Name, address, date, drug, dose, quantity, SIG, route, refills, an interval between refills, and the name of the prescriber. That's you, Big Shot. Here's something new though, you should always reference the original prescription and the original prescriber on your order. I like to print a label from the original pre-therapeutic sub and stick it to my prescription. I also write therapeutic substitution on the top of the script. There's no way that this isn't obvious if you're looking back. Your prescription should not be for longer duration than the original, unless in the case of an antibiotic for example, when 5 days on one agent would be considered equivalent to 7-10 to 10 days on another. After you've filled the substituted prescription, you must notify the original prescriber. After all, they're unaware that the patient is not receiving what they ordered. Communicating to another healthcare provider is not just a courtesy, it's the expectation and a necessary step. There's actually a template form on the NSCP website, but you can use your own as long as it includes the following. You must clearly indicate if your notification requires a response or is for record keeping only. It should also note the date, patient information, reference to original, new prescription details, the pharmacist and pharmacy information. Now as promised the follow-up. How you choose to monitor or follow-up depends again on the case. Sometimes you might discern that follow-up is only required if the condition doesn't improve, say for a cold sore in a patient that's had multiple treatments over the years. You might ask this patient to advise you if the cold sore doesn't completely resolve within a few days or if other symptoms appear or worsen. It's up to you. In the example of substituting one SSRI for another, you might decide that a pharmacist should call the patient within 72 hours to see how the new drug is tolerated, and then again in at least eight weeks to ad assess adherence and efficacy. Although you don't have to be the one to do every follow-up, you need to ensure that it gets done and your patient's care is continued as appropriate. Okay, let's stop here for a minute. 
Let's check in. Is this just a review for you or something you've never done before? If you've been following along and in the back of your mind, you're thinking that this is a lot to take on, you're absolutely right. Deciding to prescribe comes with a lot of responsibility. But remember, deciding not to prescribe in an instance where you ought to have is also a decision and one you will be held responsible for as well. Be aware, my friends, this is stated explicitly in the standards. We are not only accountable for what we do, but also for what we neglect to do. Fortunately, we have access to everything we need to make the best decision possible. And the more we prescribe, the more comfortable we will become. If you've never met me before, you wouldn't know, but I'm ripped. I could be mistaken for a master of martial arts or a ninja warrior or something. And even I was intimidated at first. What if the original prescriber isn't happy with my substitution? What if there's something I didn't know at the time of the assessment that would have changed my mind? What if I was robbed at gunpoint? Well, obviously I'd use my ninja skills for the robbery. But for all the other reservations I have, there's one thing that boosts my confidence. I've decided that if I'm acting in the best interest of the patient and I do it within the regulations, I can't go wrong. My obligation first and foremost is to them. Yes, things can change and another prescriber might make a different call, but that's the case regardless of the profession. And that doesn't make me wrong. We have guidelines and recommendations and therapeutic algorithms, but real circumstances aren't always straightforward and real life gets messy. There is no right or wrong, which makes things easier but harder at the same time. Here's a tip if you're just getting started. If you find yourself ready to fax another healthcare provider about a prescription, ask yourself this question. If this provider called me right back and asked me to suggest an alternative course of action, what would I recommend? If you've got an easy answer for that question, then do you really need to send that fax? If you know what to do, why not do it yourself? How many doctors have asked you to substitute Pardon, how many doctors have you asked to substitute an alternative because of the low certain recall? If you're waiting for permission to do it yourself, you've already got it. The NSCP sent out an email in late September that was provoked by physicians' request. The email asked that pharmacists resolve drug shortages themselves using the afforded prescribing authority. Okay, let's do a recap. Are you ready? When you do a therapeutic sub, you should be choosing drugs within the same therapeutic class. Let's use a real example. A patient brings you a prescription for Ciprolex. She went to the walk-in clinic because she's been feeling anxious and it affects her quality of life. When you review her file, you see that she was prescribed Ciprolex three years ago, but it was only filled twice and then she was switched to Venlafaxine, which she continued for one year. When you ask her about the previous prescription with Ciprolex, she recalls it caused a lot of stomach upset. She didn't realize that Ciprolex was the same as escitalopram. She had it before and doesn't want to take it again. She also doesn't want to restart venlafaxine because she didn't feel it worked very well. So how can you help? First, we ask permission to intervene and she happily consents. Then in a private counseling room, we finalize an assessment and record our notes in her file. Diagnosis, anxiety, no other medical conditions or allergies, history of anxiety and depression inadequately treated with venlafaxine, adverse effects with Ciprolex. You determine that fluoxetine is a good choice because it's stimulating and may decrease appetite and this would be beneficial because she reports being very, very tired and she will not take something that could cause her to gain weight. Now you write a prescription. Don't forget to reference the original prescription for Ciprolex. You fax the walk-in clinic and the patient's family doctor using the NSCP notification form. 
you offer the patient the opportunity to have the pharmacist at another pharmacy fill her prescription, but she asks that you dispense it. When the prescription is ready, she receives counseling, questions are answered, and you establish that you will follow up with her in five days to see how she tolerates fluoxetine. You also encourage her to schedule an appointment with her family doctor, as she will require refills to continue. You only wrote for one month of medication, because that's the duration the walk-in clinic doctor prescribed. She leaves the pharmacy, and you crack a Diet Pepsi and toast your success. Do you realize the impact here? Instead of the patient leaving your pharmacy empty-handed, she leaves with an appropriate medication, the comfort of receiving follow-up, and the benefit of beginning her treatment right away. Wouldn't it have been easy for someone in her position to feel defeated without your intervention? Your proficiency may have produced benefits and reduced harm beyond what you ever considered. Don't underestimate your influence, your capacity to contribute, and the value you bring to a healthcare system in crisis. I'm getting pretty deep, so I'm going to wrap it up here. But before I say goodbye, I should come clean. I'm not exactly as athletic as I mentioned before. I did learn some Taekwondo in grade 7, but I forget everything except we're having bare feet. And I don't support the notion of battling a robber, so please don't do that. But the rest of the podcast is legit, even though 30 years ago, pharmacist prescribing would have been as far-fetched as my ninja skills. For today's pharmacist, this is reality. I hope this podcast has not only been a good review, I hope it also elicits a response, a call to action, I guess. I would love to hear about prescriptions that you have written or challenges you faced in prescribing. No one needs to figure this out alone. We can definitely support and encourage one another. After all, the world has enough critics. Thanks for giving me your time today. See you next time. Bye-bye.